Hi humans, welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. My name is Lauren. And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking. We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love. Stepping away from our evangelical church background, all the while leaning into God and moving forward in our faith. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, on to the episode. When you get to interview people who have made such an impact on your journey, it's like Brian McLaren is one of those people for me. Mm, Yeah. And it's one of those situations where I have his phone number. And he'll text me sometimes, but I will rarely ever, unless something is serious, yep. reach out to him first just yep. because I feel like he, he deals with so much. <laughs> yep. But I interviewed him on my podcast. He was one of my first guests. The podcast I haven't touched in like a year or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was just, I was giddy the whole time. Yep. I'm giddy every time I'm around him or talking to him. <laughs> it's, the, it's the strangest, dumbest thing, but it's, it's a real phenomenon. Oh, it is. I know. Uh, we've had people on the podcast that have been just like that to me and it's it yeah i'm giddy every time and i listen so back funny. through and i'm like oh my gosh i can't believe it i'm so uncool and they're so cool <laughs> <laughs> hey guys welcome back to the podcast today we have josh scott who is the lead pastor at grace point church here in nashville tennessee Grace Point is an affirming, progressive Christian church um, that we also attend. So, Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So, okay, before we get too far into everything, can you tell us what is a progressive church? What does that mean? So, it's actually interesting, um, and it's there's a distinction I've learned. And that is that not every church that is affirming of the LGBTQ community uh, is progressive, Mm. Um, but all progressive churches are affirming, if that makes sense. Yes. So a progressive church is going to have done other work around issues like, what do we mean by the word God? Uh, Mm. Who is Jesus? Like, uh, is atonement a thing we need anymore? Mm. What about, you know, the relationship between other faith communities, religions? Uh, So it's a a progressive church is a church that has generally done work on all those things and come out on a, what I would call a more just and generous um, perspective and, and would have a bigger, like the word God is just a bigger, more open term um, and everything flows out of it. If that makes, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, definitely. I, I like that you said that not every affirming church is progressive, but every progressive church is affirming. I think that kind of like makes sense to me. And for those who still aren't really sure what, so what do you mean by affirming? What, is, what does that mean? Well, affirming, so one of the things that almost every church will do, unless they're just really hardcore, you know, independent fundamentalist Baptists or whatever, is that they'll say they're welcoming of everybody. Um, but that ends up being sort of a bait and switch because while they're welcome, uh, where they'll welcome anybody in the door to fill a seat, be a number and give some money, they won't affirm uh, the full humanity of LGBTQ folks and give them you know, opportunities to lead, opportunities to serve. There's sort of a cap on 
what their involvement can be. And it's usually just show up and give us your money. Right. Uh, an affirming church is a church that says, no, we believe that um, the members of the LGBTQ plus community should be um, have access to every level of leadership and every level of involvement. And so we, we, not, we affirm them. We're inclusive. And that's something we try to be very, very clear about. Because lots and lots of people in the you know, community have been really wounded by churches who have said, oh, everybody's welcome. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah. that word welcome is such a deceptive word. Right. So then, okay, I know you kind of shared and you share on the Goddess Grey podcast, but kind of quickly, what is your, like, how did you get involved with Grace Point? Where did you come from? So um, I, for the last 14, well, 15 years ago, I started pastoring um, a church in rural Kentucky. I'm from Kentucky. I'm from the coal fields of Kentucky and West Virginia. So Eastern Kentucky, West Virginia area. Um, but I pastored a church in South Central Kentucky for 14 years called Morgantown Community Church. And when I went there, it was sort of, you know, like most non-denominational churches, which means they're called community churches, but they're essentially born out of a Baptist church. And it's like a Baptist church with better music. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's the church I went to. And over that period of 14 years, we, we led that church through, cause I, as I went there, I was going through my own unraveling faith wise. Mm. And so eventually, you know, brought that up to our leadership, offered to resign at one point if they didn't feel like it was where the church needed to go. Um, the leadership agreed that, no, we want to take this journey. Most of them ended up leaving. Yeah. <laughs> and, Interesting. Uh, but we took that church on the journey through, you know, being, uh, affirming and through uh, deconstruction around all the ideas that, you know, come with being a progressive church. So we were in a very small town, like in the city limits, less than 2000 people. Wow. Um, and we, you know, were, uh, and not everybody in the church agreed with us, but we, we sort of essentially said, you don't have to agree, but this is where we're going. And yeah. if you are here, then you're going to have to understand that this is who we are and these are our boundaries. And we'll, def you know, we're going to protect the boundaries especially around people who we're telling or, you know, are included here who yeah. have not, you know, who have been through that sort of bait and switch with church before. Right. So it was a really interesting experience. I learned a lot. I was 20, 23 when I went there. Okay. Gotcha. And, um, like originally? I'll be 40 next. Yeah. I'll okay. be, so I'll be 40 next year. So I, one of the things I always told, told them is I gave you my youth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. So you said that, when you were there, you started your unraveling. So then what, what did that look like? You know, I've heard this part of your story of, you know, you being at the church in Kentucky and then coming to Grace Point, but, but like what happened, what happened to you? What, what was going on in Gosh. your life? So, you know, if I'm going to be totally honest, my unraveling began back when I was around 11 or 12 and okay. my grandfather was a free will Baptist pastor. So I grew up in um, when we went to the Southern Baptist Church after he passed, it was a step in a liberal direction. Mm. Wow. Um, so he he died in a church business meeting. Wow. Um, Crazy. Yeah, yeah. He died in a church business meeting right after somebody said to him, you're the problem and you need to leave. <gasps> like literally had a massive heart attack and died. And so uh, six months before that, his mom passed away, my great-grandmother. Yeah. And they were my two people. We lived yeah. in between them. Um, and so my days were spent with one or the other. Yeah. So I immediately, you know, at 11 or 12, I had no language. I just knew that whatever God I thought existed couldn't be trusted. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I ended up uh, going, we switched churches and went to a church with a big youth group. And when I was 16 or 17, 
I ended up being asked to give a sermon because they told me I was one of the leaders in the group and it was a youth service. And I had no idea what that meant. I felt like an introvert at the time. And is and this still at the Baptist church? So the, the Southern Baptist church. So okay, after Southern my grandpa Baptist. died, we, we ended up moving to the Southern Baptist church. Okay. And so when I gave that, you know, I ended up saying I would give a sermonette on a Sunday night youth service. Really, I'm, I'm a people pleaser at times. And so I didn't want to do it. But so when I committed because they asked me, I ended up freaking out and like really was hoping to get like a stomach virus or something. <laughs> yep. Um, I know that just feeling. to knock me out of the opportunity. Uh, and it was, you know, give it, I gave that sermon and everything. I just made like, oh, this is a thing I made maybe should do, but I don't want to do because in my brain, if you're a pastor, the church will kill you. Wow. Because that had been my experience, right? Yeah. Right. Deep seated Um, at the time, I'm sure. Yeah. Unaware of it. Um, But even then, as I started and, you know, as developing as I would do the circuit around all the little churches that didn't have pastors or I would fill in for people. I was saying the things I was taught to say, but I had real issues with them. Like I would never say that out loud because that would make you un faithful or there's something wrong with your face like it's mm. broken right and you can't admit that so i mean that it started at 11 or 12 but it was really when i started listening to rob bell sermons and numa numa videos which introduced me to the brian mclarens and the marcus borgs yeah. and once i was down that rabbit hole there was no looking back and was that in your teens no that was around 21 okay. or gotcha. so okay um you know, I'd gone, I'd gone to a college, uh, a public university, and taken some religion courses, which mm-hmm. also kind of shoved me down. And they told me not to because they said um, <laughs> it's a slippery slope, and they were exactly right. It's, a, yeah. it's such a slippery yeah. What they don't tell you, though, is it's like a slip and slide, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Sometimes so, you hit a rock you know, and it hurts, but. Those courses were really transformative for me. It was, a, you know, my freshman year of college in 1999, it was a Presbyterian female pastor mm. who was going to teach me the Old Testament. And there were so many things wrong with that from my Baptist upbringing. Right. Uh, and I look back on that now. I probably should email her. Like she was <laughs> pivotal for me and coming to see the Bible in the way I do now. And so, you know, gosh, it was a it was a major journey, you know, 10, 15 years for me. Yeah. To, to really come to terms with what I was starting to what what I knew intuitively that I couldn't admit to myself in some ways. Yeah, right. So then you said that was a public college. Did you end up ever going to seminary or was that? Seminary? Yeah, so I did <laughs> I did a, like a semester at the Southern Baptist Seminary. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, it's the Louisville Seminary, like the hardcore one, but it was in Nashville. I took the class in Nashville at a, a exercise, like a, uh, I don't know what you call that, like a site. Yeah. And, okay, yeah. um and it was very clear very quickly that it wasn't a good fit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually did most of my um, master's degree at Asbury Seminary, which which from the upbringing I had was it's a, it's a conservative Methodist seminary, but it was liberal. And I, I had the benefit of doing most of it online. Mm-hmm. And so the, a couple of courses I had in person were like more conservative. Yeah. But the online classes I had were like full-blown liberal, which is interesting yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I did most of it there. And then when all that was left was were courses on John Wesley. And I was like, you know, I'm not a Methodist. I'm not going to be one. Yeah. I transferred to a public university and finished their master's program, finished my degree in their master's program in religion. Okay. Best decision I ever made. Awesome. Um, because it actually forced me to deal with like, what does the word God mean? Mm, right. I mean, which is a huge part of what, what you're doing now, obviously. 
Like, right. Like what, what does that word mean? Because I often, you know, I don't think we think about the content of that word when we use it. Right. Um, so that was such a great gift to me. I ended up being an adjunct professor uh, after I graduated for a, a semester or two in uh, Hebrew Bible. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I love, I love the space that you kind of use God as, as a word and not necessarily as a name, because I think that gives it so much gravity. Like, it, it it is it is a category and it's it's something that encompasses a lot of different people's religions and faiths and it just happens to be the English the English version of all of those things, right? Like that, I actually was talking to somebody the other day and I said, well, you realize Allah is a, is an Arabic word that just means God, right? And that Arabic Christians use that word, right? Um, it, it, the word God really is a word. Uh, it's it's sort of like a like a road sign that points you in a direction. Yeah. Right. Um, we just make lots of assumption about what that means. Like we, you know, I, and I think that for me, going through a, a program of study where I was able to actually deal with what is God, what is religion? Like when we get together and do these rituals, what are we actually doing? Right. It was it was powerful, and it it has shaped my you know the work I've done since then in a really dramatic way. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And now and you are married and you have kids. So I'm, yeah. you, you said that deconstruction or this whole unraveling started when you were 11. So where, where does your wife, Carla, where does she like fit in with deconstruction, your deconstruction? What was like kind of her growing up? Did she have to have deconstruction too? Um, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So she, she actually grew up in a church in the, the town I pastored in. So I met her when I moved there. Okay. Got it. Um, and the church she grew up in was the church that would regularly like criticize me in their sermons. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, like their youth, their youth group, like their youth person would actually bring them in and play my sermons and stop them. And uh, we heard this from people oh, and man. would tell them what was wrong with it. Like, <gasps> so she knew so, your name. <laughs> well, no, but actually we were together when that was happening. So oh, wow. she had already left that church by that point and was in her own process. Wow. And I have to say, you know, we got married. I was 23. She was 19. Um, we, this is our 15th wedding anniversary this year. So wow. we've been together a long time now. Yeah. But, the, you know, of all the conflicts you have in a, a relationship, religion has never been one of them. Faith has never been one of them. That's we awesome. just sort of just were on the same page. We, we sort of ended up, you know, we, we were affirming together. Like it just sort of happened um, when some of our friends started coming out to us and we were like, oh, this is great. Yeah. We're totally on board with this. Uh, so it was just one of those things that, and I know there have been, I, I have friends who have had situations where it's not been the case and it's been a terrible strain on their marriage. And some of them have even, you know, had to split up because of it. So I feel really lucky in that respect of all the, you know, ma all marriages have conflicts that yeah. has never been one of ours. Yeah. I mean, for us, it, I love that. it didn't happen exactly at the same time, but it was in the same season. I mean, it basically was. It, <laughs> You're, we're basically talking like a week where yeah. I had processed things. <laughs> um, I had been going through like lots of like um, podcasts and YouTube and stuff. And then I was just like, came out to Adam as <laughs> deconstructed. Right. And he was like, cool, cool. Let me process this. And like a week later, he was like, yeah, okay, me too. Right, right. Like it the true five she is. She collected all of her research and yeah. basically oh. presented me with a thesis of as to why she was where she was at. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh cool <laughs> lots of processing yeah for sure i think the toughest thing was was just kind of relanguaging things because 
for me, there's, I mean, and I mean for anybody anywhere, there's so much weight behind words. There's so much emotion. Everything in that space comes loaded with something. There's like memories attached to words. Yeah. Absolutely. And, And so like as she was going through her deconstruction, it was more that we were kind of running into this wall where I had my word for something and she had her word for something. And just kind of finding what that middle space was and and what the common ground was and how to like piece together my beliefs and stitch them in with what she her beliefs were and all and, of that. And but, that being said, though, too, like and we've said this in another um, episode before, but I'll say it again because I feel like it's like kind of an important part of our story is that for me, I was definitely more um, I w- was more conservative and um uh, what not not jaded what's the word I'm more rigid. like rigid that's it yeah, yeah I was more like rigid already so like that's where I was and Adam was already more flowy more like middle ground like he was more questioning stuff like forever like right. he was always kind of that mm-hmm. way and so I think because it went the way it did where I was like conservative rigid and then I just like flipped everything upside down and it wasn't the other way around. Like you were able to be like, okay, <laughs> like right, I right, get right. it. Like I was I, like, oh yeah, I can, I can, I can, get I can on bend that, that yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's really awesome. Love that. Uh, and I love to hear those kind of stories. Um, so Grace Point years ago started as an evangelical church. Is, is that right? That is correct. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so because of that, it's, you know, congregation and like the community that it was and still is, it's, it's mostly white, although it's progressive, we still are mostly white uh, at that church. So, and you can't help where you've come from, but you can steer where you're going. And um, Grace Point is definitely far from its evangelical roots and messaging and like all of that now. Um, And there's lots of church community and staff that are lgbtq plus which is awesome which is great like i absolutely love that so how do you as a pastor and the whole of the community at grace point how how do you stop the term progressive christian church from being another denomination that thinks it's it's got it right and how do you navigate (laughs) your personal privilege of being a white straight male without becoming a white savior yeah, well, I mean, that's the struggle for, that's a struggle, right? Like, that's the thing is, um, and I'll say that, you know, one of the things that I have learned over the years is you, gosh, it's so important to be aware of both language and the way you're using it. Yeah. Um, and I think that sometimes what happens in churches, we, we call ourselves progressive. And we think that means we have all of the issues nailed down. We have the ultimate liberal view of it, which is better, right? And right, so right. Uh, we don't have issues. And we, we do. Um, and I think that, I mean, for me, like our family is, is a family that is biracial. We, you know, our kids are biracial, right. some of them. And so it's, it's an issue I'm super aware of. And it's an issue I, super, I, I care so much about. Um, and I also know that in some ways the most important work we can do. And it's some of the work I've been talking to our leadership team about is leaning into the work of Mm. anti-racism. Because I think that, uh, you know, I hope Grace Point, we've, we've started to become more diverse and I hope that continues to happen. But regardless of how that shakes out, 
ultimately, I want to make sure that we are ready to stand with and, and support communities of color uh, in Nashville. Yeah. If, if, you know, in whatever way we possibly can. And I think right. that's so, that's so important. And it's an issue, like I said, that just really near and dear to our heart. And um, I, I like, I like the direction we're heading. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, I think in some ways, like I helped put on a conference a few years ago um, with a national organization. And we were super excited because our, like our presenters, like that whole slate of presenters was really diverse and, and pretty much every way you could hope for. Um, and we thought, man, we've put on an incredible conference. And in the end, some of the feedback we got was, well, yeah, the presenters were diverse, but the spaces still weren't designed for diversity. Mm. Um, so even being aware of that, like one of the things that I'm aware of is right now we have, you know, everybody on our leadership council uh, is white and that needs to change. And every, you know, all the staff positions we have are people who are white. That needs to, that's going to have to change as we move forward. Because if we want to be a community where, um, diversity is not just welcomed and celebrated, but possible, then there has to be representation. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, you know, sort of my commitment looking forward in the next couple of years is how do we make sure that, that we have representation in our community um, across the board? Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of, you know, that's definitely where I'm leaning into giving my attention to leadership wise. Love that. Love that. And obviously, like, you know, I know your heart because I know you personally and I know and being involved in a part of the community now for several months, like I know that that is the heart. And I have personally even seen um, it grow in its diversity, but it's just something that, you know, somebody who may be looking into Grace Point, whether they're here in Nashville or from afar, um, if they, you know, go on the website or if they see, I don't know, pictures of the community, um, <laughs> yep. it, it is, it's mostly white. So it's good to hear, you know, your perspective and like where you think and where you, your heart is like where you want it to go in the future. And, um, and, you know, like it's super interesting that you mentioned that because uh, back when we actually could meet in person with other human beings, we had a couple who visited. This was probably back like late 2019. A couple who visited for the first time. Uh, both of them were white. And they, you know, we have that welcome video we show every week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, to be, you know, to be fair to that welcome video, it was shot when there were 40 people left in the church. Right. Wow. Right. Like there, yeah. that was, there were 40 people at Grace Point. They made the video. We're actually in the process, hopefully, if we can get together again yeah. uh, in creating a new video. But anyway, the, all, you know, the welcome video is played and they came up to me and they said, we love the gathering. We loved the music. We loved everything. But I just haven't, they said, we just have a question. Why was everybody in that welcome video white? Because like I'm looking around and there's diversity in the right. community. So it's like, and, and I was like, oh, and that was for me the like, oh, we need to change that. We need to make a new video. Yeah. Because Grace Point, you know, Grace Point early 2020 is not Grace Point 2018. Mm-hmm. It's a Absolutely. vastly different community in so many ways. Well, and I think you guys are doing really important work to, to arm your community to be allies to the anti-racism I mean, I, I say movement. It should just be something that just is existing all the time. <laughs> right, but like, right. But I, but I love that because I mean, you're doing you're doing things like a book study on uh, how to be an anti racist, and 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 you are always moving into that space where it's just like seeking out opportunities to 
include in the space of leadership, which I think is so important yeah. that it comes from representation from from the front end and not not like this weird like grab to try to create diversity in your church from from the podium, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, and you know, you don't want to be like, oh, like if you do it from the perspective of we just want people to say, man, that's a diverse church. Mm. No, we, we, we want the benefits of that, but we also want the commitments of that. Right. Yeah. Um, and what it, you know, I, I am a straight, white, cisgendered male. What I don't know and understand is vast. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I want to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely love that. And you're talking about goals and hopes for Grace Point. And on top of, you know, adding more and more people to the community um, from all walks of life and um, all different race and gender and all of that, do you have any specific um, goals or like dreams that like one day Grace Point will be at a certain level or like in five years, like where do you see Grace Point? You know, I mean, so one of the things I think about is um, the, the space we, we meet in, which is absolutely gorgeous. There's just a, you know, we have two gatherings now. We're planning three for Easter, which did, didn't get to happen. Yeah. But so we're, we're a space locked community in some ways. So, that, you know, I'm one of my dreams would be um, as far as for what Grace Point could be is a multi-campus community that mm. all had live teaching and that was all geared toward the specific area of town it was in. Mm. So, so not sort of like uh, Walmart church, right, right. but a, a church that's held together by values, yeah. but has leadership, teaching, and all that happening within the community. Um, mm. And I, Because I think what we're doing matters. Um, and, you know, whether it is somebody coming up to me after a Sunday gathering and saying, Today was the first time I took communion in 25 years because mm-hmm. I grew up Catholic, Baptist, whatever. And when I came out, I was denied. Mm-hmm. And today, you know, I actually had a person who was who told me, I'll never be a Christian, quote unquote, Christian again. But today when I took communion, something happened for me. Wow. And I believe that needs to exist. Yeah. And more and more people need to have it. And I, I think, you know, I think what this current era of COVID-19 is teaching us that online community really can be community, mm. yeah. but maybe I'm just old school enough to say, I love to be flesh and blood with people as much mm. as possible. So yeah. if we can help make that happen in other areas and other communities, I think that would be a really, really beautiful thing. Love that. That's awesome. Well, I think it's always helpful for people um, looking in again, as people who are there right now, who've been part of the community for a long time and people who are, looking at Grace Point, who are checking out Grace Point to kind of know where the potential future uh, lies. And I, you know, there's, there's, there's something that I have said in conversation with other people, whether it's a podcast or just in person. um, And it kind of just shows where I think Grace Point's community is at is um, I've communicated how, there are weeks and there are days, there are times where I, the only thing that like at the end of the day, I get to when it comes to all my questions about life and existential crises and all that is, well, I'm sure there's probably a God there somewhere. Like that's sometimes <laughs> yeah. that's like, a, yeah. that's all I get. And sometimes I get like this, you know, growing up in church and 
and specifically even in the Christian music industry, um, I have a lot of like traumas within like religion and um, sometimes even like worship is sometimes hard for me because I love it. But then there's a lot of like battles within that with wording and verbiage and all of that. Um, There are days that when I'm leading even worship at the church that I feel like, do I, do I fit in? Is this right for me? Is this okay Mm -hmm. for me? for me not knowing where I'm at mentally or spiritually to be on stage and to be leading worship. Is that okay? Is like, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then I remember where yeah. I'm at. Right. And then yeah. I'm like, Oh, right. Like this, everyone's <laughs> almost everybody is like that. And like, we're all in progress. Yeah. 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 And there's well, like, and isn't that what we were taught though? Like, I mean, growing up, everything was about our unworthiness. Yeah. Everything. Like, if you did like if, if you preached a good sermon, you just had to give God all the credit. You're right. It, like, it was nothing in me. I'm terrible. God, you know, if you sing a good song, oh well, all the glory is due to God. Well, I mean, you sang it, so right. you should get some of the credit, right? Like, <laughs> like, like this whole unworthiness, which is tied back to original sin and total depravity, which is stuff that's just not in the scripture. Yeah, I know. Uh, and of course, that's where we end up thinking, gosh. I don't have all my ducks in a row. Does that, does that mean I'm somehow unable to give a sermon or sing a song? I think everybody should just admit they don't have all their ducks in a row. Even the most conservative of conservative. I bet you, I bet you that Robert Jeff, is that his name, Robert Jeffress? The guy mm-hmm. who's like the Trump, you know, cult prophet or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. That guy, that guy goes to bed with doubts sometimes. I promise mm-hmm. you. Yeah. If he's paying attention, he goes to bed with doubts. Right. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, and, and and I think I just whenever I have those moments and then I remember that like it is all like everybody's kind of there and everybody's mentally has probably gone through very similar things that I know that like that I'm okay and that this is like a safe space for me to be like, hey, I don't even know if I identify as Christian and it's okay to be in a Christian church right now. Mm. Like right. if I feel safe, being in a Christian church and not knowing if I'm a Christian <laughs> based off of, you know, the criteria the qualifiers that, that you had before. Yeah. yeah. Then like, then I think we're doing a pretty good job. We, the community, you, the community at Grace Point is doing a good job um, at just like loving where, wherever somebody is at. And so, yeah, I just, I just love that. I think that speaks volumes about, about Grace Point. And, you know, the other week you were talking about um, Jesus and you said you thought that Jesus would be a humanist. And I thought that was really interesting for like for you to say. Of course, like I'm sure there's like things for you to like expand upon with even within that. But like that got me thinking, like, what is the difference then between like a progressive Christian, a universalist and a and humanism? Like, is there massive differences or are they all kind of within the same vein like line of thinking you know where i've come down on it is i i think for me the jesus story is it's my mother tongue it's the language that i was um, initiated into wonder with if that makes sense yeah and so that's the language and that's the story and the narrative that i find most compelling 
I don't think it's better than any other narrative in the sense that like, it's not one of those, like my dad can beat up your dad situations with other world religions. (laughs) Right. I think we're all reaching for the same thing. Um, and at the core, I mean, it's something, it's interesting to me that at the core of most of the religions is this whole do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Mm. Um, so there's like a shared thing there, but for me, the Jesus story just is the place I find home. And so when I'm going to, I'm going to try to explain, or I'm going to get a, give a sermon, I'm going to go to a text from the Bible because that's for me where I'm most familiar and it's the, where I'm most at home. I don't think, I mean, to me, like if you read the scriptures, it really seems like God is a humanist. God creates human beings and values human beings. And the the problem is we've been taught that to be human is somehow being beneath divinity. Mm, And to be human is to be a one step away. When in the reality is that to be human in the scriptures is to be exactly what we should be and are invited to be. And I think what we're confusing is there are times we live beneath that humanity. And that's when the whole language of sin gets brought up and all that. Um, so, I, so I think that we just need to live into being human is good. Um, I don't know what I believe. I don't, you know, I don't know. I know everybody who's a Christian is not a humanist, but God might be. And Jesus might have been. Um, right. Because ultimately they're inviting us to be truly human and nothing more and nothing less. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And speaking of like keeping like hearing one specific word that you said and holding you to it. (laughs) Do you ever feel like, you know, as, as a progressive Christian pastor, how much pressure is it to, to, to be that? And for, you know, a lot of people, (laughs) a lot of people are looking to be triggered at any given moment and, you know, hopefully not, but like realistically it's going to happen. So how do you navigate that? And like the people who are listening to you, you know, they're listening for you to accidentally use the pronoun he for God too many times. <laughs> right. right, right, right. You know, I, I, I really try to be conscious about those sorts of things. So if I say a he, I'm going to say a she. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, and, but sometimes, you know, like I've been, I've been preaching 20 years now or more, actually more. So some of those habits you build up early are hard at times to break. Yeah. Um, so I try to be really conscious of them. Uh, one of the things I try to do is like we've been in a series at Grace Point where we're looking at these, the vocabulary of the Christian tradition, like sin, which the way it's been used can definitely be a triggering word. Yeah. Um, and asking, is it still valid? And what are, what are ways we can go back to it and re, like reimagine it, reframe it, reclaim it, reunderstand it? Uh, and so I try to be upfront with people about that and say, here's a word that a lot of people have had a, tr- a lot of trouble with for good reasons. Mm. And it's been used in ways that are destructive and demeaning and devaluing. But maybe that's been the way we've used it and not the word or not even the, the like, kind of the, the cur- core kernel concept. So what ways can we reimagine it and, and use and have it be part of our faith in a way that, kind of reclaims it. And so, because I think one of the things that happens in the progressive world is we sort of just abandon everything to the conservatives, mm. the people who are using it, you know, the people who are making signs that have all these Bible verses at the end of the pride parade, right? Like we right. just kind of let them have it all when actually the Bible belongs to us too. And the vocabulary belongs to us. Yeah. So instead of abandoning it, what if we said, actually, we're going to throw in, our, here's our two cents on this. This is what this word actually means. And this is how it could be a a uh, a better a better view a better interpretation a better understanding 
So I hope that's what we're doing. I feel like when you abandon words like that, because I, I love that, like re, relanguaging things and giving giving it more meaning or or almost stripping the meaning away from it and making it more up to interpretation like anything ever is in life anyway. But I feel like if you if you just abandon words and and concede them to whoever wants to put the most weight into it is 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 almost giving it more validation and more power. And I think it I think the work that you're doing in that space is just it's it's super important to be able to say that no matter no matter who you are, no matter what you grew up with, no matter what hurts you have, we're here not to not to impose another agenda, but to strip away emotional and and destructive baggage behind things that carry a lot of experience with them and present you with an opportunity to recreate that for yourself and your own experience. Absolutely. And you know, I mean, one of the things I talked about the Bible recently, and one of the things I said is I'm not going to try to tell you if you've had a lot of trauma around the Bible that you need to just start reading it every day again, mm. or that you even need to pick it up or have one in your home. That's not the, that's not my job. Like that's not a thing. If it's, if it's brought you trauma and you need space from it, take space from it and there's no pressure to pick it back up. Yeah. But what I hope I can do is for people who have grief around losing the Bible mm. because of the way it's been interpreted, that yeah. we can begin to help them bring that back into not the same way they, I mean, you know, the whole inerrancy infallibility business that just really is grounded in nothing except yeah. wishful thinking. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that, you know, that's not how we're going to hold it but we can hopefully bring it back into value. I got an email from somebody today who had uh, actually said she discovered Grace Point through the God is Great podcast that came out a couple weeks ago or whatever. Yeah. And that um, like she had just binged 13 sermons. Oh, dang. Which is like, I mean, Adam, you know this because you work with me. I, I, I don't want to listen to one of mine. I can't imagine oh, yeah. sitting through 13 straight. Absolutely. And she said, um, it's, it's actually giving me, just paraphrase, it's giving me hope that, like I'm actually excited to go back to the Bible. Wow. Yeah. Because I have different I have a different lens now that I can take to it. And I you know, I hope that I'm able to help people do that. I hope Grace Point's able to help people do that. Yeah. If they want to. It's so empowering. It is. I mean it it's that's been my story too. And like figuring out what again, like worship can mean for me. And yeah, like reading the Bible. And I think like the second message that I heard from you guys, um, I think the second time we ever visited, it was it was about um, being inherently united with God, mm. and I was like, "Wait, wait, what?" <laughs> like I kind of I kind of was on that way. Like I was on that path already. Like, but at the same time, it's like you know you are taught at least I, I was taught in the conservative like upbringing that I had is to not like trust your, your own gut, <laughs> not to trust your oh, own yeah. like heart and feelings. The heart is deceitful above all else. So like there's your a intuition was always going to fail you. Right. And so there was like, mm-hmm. wait, there was like paths that I was like tiptoeing on, but then like seeing it validated through scripture was like, wait a second. And like hearing it, a different interpretation and knowing that interpretations are like allowed. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, that was so new for me and it was so like overwhelming and like emotional for me to hear that. Like I, 
I'm not like separated from God. So then that gave me the permission to like explore more like ideas and different like theologies or anything Mm -hmm. like that because I knew that like I wasn't separated from God. So it was okay. Like I was safe to explore. And that was, that is something that like, I think Grace Point does and you do a really good job at communicating. Yeah. I feel like the work that you do is kind of like, uh, you know, the movie Inside Out with the little, the little blue one sadness that just goes and touches memories. I feel like that is what happens for most people's deconstruction is they have these things and these memories and these feelings and moments that they love and that they've rooted into for their faith and their spirituality. And they're like their existence and value in the world. And when, when deconstruction or, or unraveling or ever, however you language that, if that abandons everything that you've ever known, all all the good, all the bad and the good. Yeah. I can create that sadness. Yeah. It just, it kind of like touches everything with a little bit of sadness and you lose out on that nostalgia and you lose out on that, that opportunity to be a kid again in your faith. You lose out on the opportunity to be, in discovery of like the world while you're discovering yourself and your spirituality. And I think it's, it's so necessary to, to find that space to be able to like include that. It's not exclusionary. To tell sadness that it doesn't have to touch every memory that has to do with religion. Yeah. Right. And, and even if it does, like, I mean, the thing for me was realizing because I was angry for a lot of years. I mean, and some of my sermons, like from from the mid two thousands, you know, for a good chunk of time, were really angry because I felt like I'd been lied to. I felt yeah. like there was information out there that I was being like told not to access when it was really good stuff. Yeah, right. But then the other thing I realized is that they're really doing the best they could. I mean, they were just doing what they'd been taught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did a sermon recently where we talked about faith. Like uh, when we moved, uh, when we came to Grace Point, I found my very first iPod. Um, And at the time when I got that thing, it was the best thing I'd ever had. And I thought it was the pinnacle of technology. And now I carry in my pocket a phone, an iPhone 11, that will do everything that iPod could do times infinity. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now, but the iPod is still part of that. Like without that iPod, you don't get the iPhone. And I think learning that whole Richard Rohr business of transcend and include. Yep. Or, and I've even heard him rephrase it recently, include and transcend. Yeah. Um, because we're trying to make peace with where we come from and yet we want to exclude it all. Instead of saying, gosh, every step I've taken and every bad theological position I've taken has led me to the point where I hope I'm so very unfinished, but my faith is more just and generous now than it's ever been. And I hope that I'm heading more and more and more and more and more in that direction. Um, and if without where I came from, I would not have had that. So, right. so being able to go back and say, you know, there's even been moments, you know, when I've been in the car recently where I'll like, gosh, I remember an album that came out when I was in high school that I loved. And it was a CCM album. And I actually would put it on and listen to it and could, could finally get to the point where I was like, I, the theology I'm not there with, but the memories tied to it and mm. the people tied to it, Yeah, I'm super here for. Yeah, Even though that most of them have either blocked me, unfriended me, or emailed me snarky stuff yeah. since I became a godless liberal. 
theologically. <laughs> um, like even then, I'm I'm learning to be able to in, like appreciate the core memory and realize that I'm no longer there when it comes to all the stuff around it. Yeah. Yeah, so the i the the iPod is included in the iPhone, so the include and transcend. I love that. I was hoping you would you would bring up the iPod. I mean, I had a teacher oh. that told me that I would never carry around a calculator in my pocket, and here we are. Well, when I first like, I remember back, and I actually bought one a few years ago before the uh, Apple Watch came out, like a, a Casio calculator watch. Yes. At the time, <laughs> yes. I mean, I was in I was in like middle school when this came out i guess or whatever but that's I like thought, some nerdcore fashion for sure oh dude i still have one it's somewhere in my possessions i know i didn't get rid of it <laughs> and i just need it like while we're on quarantine i need to clean out my t-shirt drawer and i need to find that casio calculator watch so that it because, can be included and transcended yeah, into your current and fashion my 10 year old doesn't believe it's real so <laughs> i just need to show him you have a lot to prove <laughs> oh, that's, that's amazing awesome. Well, I mean, this is just like, obviously, we, we, we love you and we love Grace Point And um, we're just, I'm really glad that you said yes to being drilled by our questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I will, of course, like I said, I will include like your email so people can get a hold of you. Um, yeah, I just, I'm excited to see you and all the community again here soon but until yeah. we can't i'll just be talking with you online <laughs> well we we love y'all so much and you know you guys came and have been so invested and so involved right away and which we're all still sort of new at this thing right like right. i've just been yeah. there almost a year and it feels like we're creating something brand new together and um i'm you know it's it's one of those it's a good deal when you just are excited yeah. To be at your job, which also happens to be church and yeah. happens to be people that are brilliant and creative. And, you know, we have an incredible team, which you guys are a part of. So I'm just, I'm just outside of missing everybody furiously. I'm giddy about where we are and what we're doing. And I'm so excited for the next thing. Yeah. yeah we are too. as well. Awesome. Well, Thanks for being on and thank you guys for listening to this episode and until next time. Bye. bye. If you liked this episode, please share, rate, and review on whatever platform you're listening. As always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time.